Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. As Mel said, we are pausing Acts for a few weeks. There's been something that's been stirring my heart for a while and I've been working with the elders just to sort of unpack that and it's something that going to accumulate over the next three or so weeks. So today we're going to do some groundwork, which I hope will be really valuable and good foundational stuff. And then next week, don't miss out on next week. It gets better. I think it's already good. But, um, but yeah, you can't take the messages autonomously. They're actually, there's, there's, there's a growing that's happening in this space. So I've got three things that I would love for you to tell me what you think the purpose of them are. So here's the first one. What do you think the purpose of this is? It's not a cup holder. Something 3D printed. Something pot plant. No. What, what's its purpose? To confuse people. No idea. To hold something. To hold, to hold something is correct. It's a container of some sort. And, and Lisa gave a clue uh, in an obscure way saying it could be 3D printed, um, but it's only a clue to, to Lisa and um, Kristen. Yeah. No, it's, it's not what you think it is, but that's a clue towards what it might be. A cup holder in the same vein. This is what it is. Let's see if this works. Wow. Who would have thought that was something that someone invented? <laughs> oh, yeah, potato plant holder. I can see that. It is a holder of sorts. Multi-purpose. Look, you can have your French fries in your car and on your belt, just as you always wanted. Object number two. Can anyone tell me what that is? A knife. What's its purpose? To cut, to cut. Would you recommend using that to separate pieces of frozen chicken? No. You wondered why I was holding it upside down, didn't you? <laughs> that's, that's really bad. Not ideal using a really fancy gift knife that your dad was given to use it for prying apart pieces of frozen chicken as my daughter learned. The brand is Global. You might recognize it from MasterChef. Very nice brand of knives. And now not very useful. Because it was used for the wrong purpose. Third item. Can someone tell me what this is? A spark plug. I'm glad you know the answer, Lockie. A spark plug. It's a brand new spark plug. Who's in the cars? Who's in the cars? Dan. Yeah? Can you, um, what, do, what does it get used for? Make spark in the engine. Make spark in the engine. Can you tell me if it's a good one? Looks all right. Can you test it for me, please? How, how do you, how do you, does it work? You don't know. How come? 
So, so we don't know whether it works. It looks all right. But we have no idea whether it's any good or not. Interesting. How would you work out whether it works or not? Oh, plug it in. There's no way we can test that without plugging it in properly. And sometimes we're a little bit like a spark plug. We're unique, we're significant, we're valuable, but useless. <laughs> On our own, we're useless. And it seems quite obvious when you think about knives and spark plugs that you'd want to learn about how what their purpose is. You want to understand, maybe even read the manual if you've never put a spark plug in your car before. You'd want to care for and use it for its purpose. But we can often end up on a treadmill going around in circles in our own lives and not caring or filling our lives with aimless distraction and forgetting that we are created, are designed for purpose. <coughs> we can get fixated on the, the, the nitty-gritty, the, the fringe things and forget that like the spark plug, like the knife, we are created for purpose. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, prophetic vision is referring to divine revelation, godly guidance. And casting off restraint is running wild, or as the old King James says, perishing, going rotten. There's a phrase that I saw this week, aimless distraction. I think that's our modern day equivalent of casting off restraint. Aimless distraction. Now this verse might look familiar to you. It's really popular with Christian leadership training. But I do want to pause and just present a little bit of a caution because a lot of people use this verse with their own agenda. And I'll give you two clues as to know whether someone's using this verse for their own agenda. The first clue is they'll refer to the old King James Version. Because the old King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So that's the first clue. The second clue is they don't read the second half of the verse. And when you do those two things, guess what you omit from this passage? God. So in our worldly business sense, yes, you do need vision or people go aimless. But when you take God out of the picture, you're just aimlessly going somewhere together. There is no fruit in taking God out of this picture. Because with God out of the picture, you are still aimless. You are still running wild. You are still going rotten. Because it's not just any vision 
that provides blessing, it's God's vision. It's God's divine revelation. And it's so important to put this verse in the, in the context that it's designed to be. Today we're going to step right back. Can I have that spark plug please, Dan? Quite often we focus on the spark plug, the, the us in the picture. We're stepping back from the spark plug, back from the cylinder head, back from the engine to the whole car. Because the spark plug is only useful, is only fit for purpose when it's actually in a whole car. And we're going to focus on that today. Now, some people aren't so keen on that idea. They go, yeah, but it feels a little irrelevant being that so far back. I really don't want us to fall into the trap that Proverbs talks about thinking in that unrestrained way because asking big questions doesn't dilute our purpose. It actually refines and sharpens it. It doesn't reduce our sense of self-worth. It actually increases it. And it doesn't diminish our significance, but it does give us a healthy and humbling context. So today, I want to look at divine revelation, prophetic vision. And I can think of three modern-day sources of prophetic vision. Bible, Holy Spirit, and angels, which I haven't personally experienced. But I would say they're three sources of what this verse is about. Because, and as the arrow points out, I forgot that part. Blessed is he who keeps the law. The law is actually part of the prophetic vision. The two parts go together. And we think of law as constraints. Yes. If you think about the fence around a property with a horse in it. Yep, there's limitations. But the owner doesn't do that for the horse's oppression. The owner does that for the horse's well-being. And you can think about this book in a whole bunch of different ways. And some people think of it as a book of rules. Absolutely, it's a book of rules. Some people think about it as a love letter. Absolutely, it's a love letter. Some people look at it as a, a book of history. Absolutely, it's a book of history. But this is divine revelation. This is prophetic vision. And today, I just want to lay a brief but really solid foundation on what this book has established in terms of prophetic vision. Big, big, big picture. Because it's so important to start, if we want to be going somewhere, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to be blessed, if we want to be people fit for purpose, we've got to get the foundation right. So we start with the Bible broken into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. And consider this sort of like a bit of a timeline. You can look at the Old Testament in terms of revelation, of revelation of God's motive, his heart, the way he's wired, what his purposes are. 
And the New Testament is a little bit, broadly speaking, revelation of God's solution to that. So we're just going to layer through some really foundational things that may be very familiar to you, maybe too familiar to you. But I want you to just take this in and be reminded of purpose and God's motive. Just remember God's motive in all this. So let's start at the beginning. Creation. Seven times in chapter one, God says his creation was good. Creation makes God look good. It glorifies him. And you and I, it says, are made in his image. We're many reflectors of God. And what he made was good. That's where it all starts. It starts with a God who makes good things that make him look good. Romans 1.20 says, For his, that's God, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. His creation was a good creation and its whole intention was to reflect him. Now God especially made humans in his image. We reflect good. We reflect creativity, just like God was creative. We reflect love. We reflect relationships. But in chapter 1, God specifically mentions one reflection. Authority. Dominion. We're not like all of his other creation. Because he has given us dominion over the rest of creation. But what happens if we use that authority the wrong way? Not good. He introduces another revelation to us. Exile. When we break this idea of control, this idea of authority, and we don't reflect good like we were designed to, like we were created for, there's separation, there's consequences. And this is divine revelation. This is part of the beautiful picture that God paints for us. Because he shows us what it looks like when you're broken, when you're not good. It's part of the divine revelation. Next one, Lucky. But the opposite of exile, what's the flip side of exile? It's covenant, it's relationship, it's commitment. And he very clearly brings divine revelation, prophetic vision to people to say, no, 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 exile was never the intention. It was never the design. It's there to show you what broken looks like. What I want to do is establish good, quality, deep, abiding 
commitment relationships. And his divine revelation reveals that to people. In fact, he set apart a group of people to model and to demonstrate, to show all humanity what that looks like. The Israelite one there. That covenant, that agreement to say, I'll be your God and you be my people. Let's make this good, beautiful creation shine so that the whole world knows. And out of that covenant, the next two things pop up. The first one being the law. This is what healthy relationship looks like. This is the manual for how you're fit for purpose, what good looks like. Then you go, that's fine for us, but how do, we, how do we connect with you, God? How do we relate to you? What does healthy look like in that space? And, and God establishes the idea of, of priests and temple and paints a picture of what connecting with God looks like. We are set up here with a beautiful picture of a design and an intention fit for purpose that was good. And now we have the creator establishing a beautiful roadmap of how this all fits together. At this point, everything is spectacular. Let me read to you from Isaiah 42 verse 5. Thus says God Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gave breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am Yahweh. I have called you into righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant to the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am Yahweh, that is my, my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols. Can you see this picture painted? This beautiful picture of the God who made creation, who has set people apart for righteousness, for covenant, for what purpose? For those who are in exile. A light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. God's purpose is spectacular. And yet, we still have that authority thing, don't we? We still have that dominion thing. And so, as you know, even with all the best instruction, all the clearest definition of purpose, we as people decided we deserved more attention than God did. So God's divine revelation introduced what they call the judges. Now the judges were not judges as in our law judges. These guys were warriors. These guys were, were people that came and defended, protected, saved the people from their enemies. They were godly men that God set apart 
as warrior leaders. And the people said, that's not enough. We're not happy. We don't like your plan, God. We want more. We want a king like other nations. And God says, I'm your leader. Haven't you seen my beautiful design? Don't you see how you fit into this beautiful picture? And they went, no, no, no. We want a king like other nations. And he said, but kings aren't going to be good for you. You need me. You don't need a king. They said, no, no, we want one. So God introduced kings to the Israelite people. And you can see this is for Tanya's sake. (laughs) Tanya's big on the fact that the introduction of kings, three kings down the track, and they split. They couldn't even stay together as a nation after three kings. Of the kings after that, 30 of them were bad kings. Five of them were good and bad, and four were good kings. 39 kings. 42 if you include the first three. 39 kings, of which there were four good kings. Guess what? God was right. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So then his divine revelation introduced the prophets. Now this is what we most associate with God's divine revelation. But if you look at the layers, we're building. We're building, we're establishing, we're reinforcing. We're creating something here and the prophets are introduced to do what? to do exactly what we've read in Proverbs. People had cast off restraint. They were aimless. They were rotten. They were wild. And so God wanted to remind them. And the passage I just read, which clearly explains the first four sections, was actually Isaiah saying it. This is Isaiah reminding them about what was already happened way beforehand. God so desperately wanted people to know. He so desperately wanted to restore his good design that he sent them prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to the point that they had to end up back in exile as divine revelation of what they were missing. They weren't getting it. They needed exile again and more prophets to say, hey guys, you're missing out. My creation was good. My plan was good. My purposes were good. But you've missed it. I haven't emphasized this yet, but can you see what everything is leading to? Can you see that every single area... Now, we're actually still a little bit in exile because we're not in the garden, right? So we're not living, Paul describes us as we like, we're looking through a dim, dim mirror. The picture's not as clear as it could be because we're not 
like it's going to be at the new creation in the end, right? So we're, we're actually also a little bit exiled. And so that's, you might say, well, that's not part of the picture. And you see the dot here, there's this recognition that in Christ we are new creations. So that's why that's a little bit misaligned there, but just so you're aware of. But everything about this, Jesus is the answer to. He is the pinnacle of everything in the Old Testament. If you read any good preaching book, it tells you if you ever read from the Old Testament, point out where Jesus is in it. You go, well, hang on, he didn't come until like first century. But the whole of the Old Testament is screaming out that God has a good creation, but in the freedom we've been given, we take that and abuse it. And yet he still is investing and, and committed and reinforcing divine revelation after divine revelation to say, I so desperately want for your sake, God doesn't need the glory. He doesn't have self-esteem issues. He didn't create us to make himself feel good. He's perfect and he knows he's perfect. He doesn't need his ego butted up. He does it because his creation was good and he wants his creation to experience the good that he created them for. And Jesus is the pinnacle of that divine revelation. Because everything that was building up to that point, in Jesus, we see God's intention and we see his solution. There is no barrier between us and the good design that God had. And his good design include relationship with him and to be blessed. That was his intention for us. But God didn't even stop there. Because the next level of divine revelation is something that Jesus was hanging out for. I gotta go so that you don't miss out on the next part of the divine revelation. The Holy Spirit sent. Check this out. Scripture says, through the Spirit, we're spiritually alive. We're told that the Spirit gives us a covenant seal, confirming that which God has established. The Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught, of the law of God's good design. We're called temples of the Holy Spirit. There's a reference to being priests. We are convicted that we need a saviour. Jesus is the saviour and the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts to say, you need something more than yourself. You'll notice that with the king one, I've done a circle. It's not quite complete. We get a hint that Jesus is king, but don't worry, it's coming. We, we talked about that last week. But the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, gives him the, the position that he deserves, and pours out gifts, prophetic gifts to believers. I hope you can see God's design here. 
I hope you can see that God's not mucking around. He's not going, ah, your truth, your truth, my truth, my truth. Ah, just run around aimlessly, that's okay. Ah, you'll get there one day. Everything about this book of divine revelation points to a God that has purpose. His design was a purpose and him implementing it and making sure we have the best opportunity to fulfill that purpose, to experiencing the blessing that his creation was meant to experience is there. I reckon often we're one of three scenarios. One is a little 3D printed thing that we don't even know what we are. Two, we recognise what we are, but we're doing the wrong things with it. Or three, we can see what we are, we know what we are, but we're not where we're meant to be. We're separate from where we're meant to be. I really believe that God wants us to, just this week, reconnect with his big picture. To step back from the, the, the things that consume us. Serious things and useless things. There's circumstances in our lives that are very, very significant and we're not downplaying them. But they fit into a bigger picture. I used the phrase on my video, can't see the forest from the trees. And that is when you're in the forest, you see two or three trees and that's what you get fixated on. You forget that it's a forest. I also referenced Jesus with Mary and Martha. It's interesting that Martha invited Jesus to her house, her and Mary's house. And she was being a good host. There was nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. But when she complained, Jesus said, you've missed the point. What Mary is doing is right. And it will not get taken away from her. It's okay to have things that consume your mind because they're really important. I don't think that's our only problem though. I think there's things that consume us that are kind of useless as well. I've been convicted this week as I prepared, looking at that phrase, aimless distraction. I spend too long on YouTube. The content's okay. 
how does... Like, and, and the content's harmless. It's, it's not like I'm filling my head with, with rubbish. But whether or not a guy gets to pan gold in Tasmania or not is sort of useless to the big scheme of things. Fascinating to see how he does it. But how does it fit in to my purpose as a spark plug in a car? And I think both of these things have to be put back through the lens of what the purpose is. And we don't take the purpose seriously enough. We don't take the purpose seriously enough because if we did, then I think our lives would be radically different to what they are. We wouldn't be whinging about the things that we whinge about and we would be invested in things that matter. Next week, we're going to move on to passion. But this week, I don't want to forget where passion comes from. It comes from purpose. And so I'm just going to pause and I want you to think about you, the spark plug. that might be perfectly good, brand new, fresh out of the box. And useless, like this, until it's in the car. Lord God, I want to thank you so much that you have given us divine revelation. I thank you so much that you have made a way for us not to be aimlessly distracted to be wild and rotten. But Lord, you have made a way for us to experience you as a good God and the good design and purpose that you created us for. Lord, I pray that your divine revelation, Lord God, over the last many, many centuries, Lord, would permeate our hearts today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray you would stir in us today, Lord God. Bring your revelation. To see, to feel, to experience, to, to understand the depth and the height and the breadth of your investment in your purpose. But Lord, I pray you would also convict us restore us redeem us because Lord, we still need a saviour. Lord, we still use our authority our dominion the wrong ways. Lord, I pray that you would bring back your purposes to our hearts, Lord God. Holy Spirit, bring to mind your good design and your good intention. Every day and every moment we need reminding, Lord God. Let your word be on our lips and in our hearts, Lord. May you transform our minds that we would understand your good, pleasing and perfect will. 
Lord, would you purify our hearts that we would be people that seek after your righteousness and your kingdom. Because that is what we were created for. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just one thing I, I didn't mention before and remembered as I was praying. We see repentance as something that is uncomfortable, and it is. But it's a beautiful part of divine revelation. And it is a gift. Because it says that no matter how far away from the original design someone is, God is absolutely invested in replugging them back in. He has made that so abundantly clear in his divine revelation. No matter how far, how broken, how in the dark, as that passage says, people get. The act of repentance is the human response that God then does everything else. That's our posture. Here's to say, God... I acknowledge your good design. I acknowledge I've been going the wrong way. And so I repent. I turn from my own way and I come back and want to align myself with your good design. And everything else, he does. You don't even have to pay the punishment for your waywardness. You have restoration, you have healing, you have revelation of truth, you have intimacy, you have covenant. All those things get re-restored when we repent. So I just, I just want to acknowledge that and just want to plant that seed with you. God's good design, part of his good design was giving us authority. That means that we do go the wrong way. But he has established everything in his good design through his divine revelation for us to be restored. And that is our homework this week. Our homework this week is to wait on the Lord and say, what's your good design? Am I experiencing your good design? Is there something I need to repent of? Do I not know your purpose? Am I used for the wrong purpose? Or am I perfectly good for purpose, but just not plugged in? I'd really encourage you this week, each day, just to wait on the Lord and God, God, Give me divine revelation. He has set it all up for us to experience that. But then, humbly just say, I repent. I don't want to be outside of your purpose. I don't want to be someone that's just wayward and aimless. 
I want to be a person of intention and purpose, as you created me to be. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.